Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Three ain't enough, man. I need five. I wanted to start with that. Uh, just wait a second here. Later. I don't know why you're always trying to update when I'm busy. Like, you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing, computer. I know you're watching me and monitoring me. You know what I'm doing. Don't try to update when I'm busy. I know it. All right. Let's wait for a few more people to come in. It's really chilly in the old garage tonight, so... uh Got the hoodie on, got my coffee. Actually love this hoodie. It was a gift. Uh, Steph Driver, Christmas last year. Real good one. Real nice hoodie. It's so warm. All right, people are showing up. Let's get this going. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. Five in a row, guys. Five in a row. A five-game winning streak for yours, mine, and our Philadelphia Flyers. My name is Bill Mass. I'm your director of Fun and Games to the e- for the evening. You are, of course, watching the Broad Street Hockey Radio Facebook Live postgame. Uh, what can you say about a, uh, a hard-fought win against a uh, – definitely against an inferior opponent? The, uh, the Flyers, uh, I don't know, came out a little – I don't want to say flat, but um, they definitely weren't great uh, to start this game. It was one of those, oh, man, is this is this going to be that game where, you know, everyone's starting to feel good again and all right, the Flyers are getting it under them, getting their legs going, got a couple wins in a row, and then they fall down one nothing to the Sabres, and you go, this is, this is not how I expected this to go. Uh, Buffalo. Buffalo is last place in the East with 22 points in 32 games. Uh, are they still ahead of Arizona? They are still ahead of Arizona. Arizona has 19 points. So the only team they're ahead of is the dumpster fire in the desert, uh, and that's really it. So you, you absolutely really needed this W tonight. Um, just to keep the confidence going, keep the momentum, just, you know, Keep that, you know, you keep hearing about this new identity. The Flyers are sticking with the game plan, but they're not getting down on themselves when things go wrong. And then you saw it tonight. They uh, they fall down one nothing. come right back. Sanheim gets his first goal. Great to see Sanheim get on the score sheet. Um, it, was a, it was a good win tonight. You know, you, you want to blow out a team like the Sabres, obviously. They're not good. But this Flyers team just needs to bank points right now. You can't worry about it being a, a, a pretty win, a style win. It just has to be a W in that win column because you dug yourself such a hole with that um, with that 10-game losing streak. But look at the standings right now. You check out the wild card. They are, uh, what, two points behind the Rangers uh, for the last wild card spot, and they're two points behind Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a points percentage behind the Rangers for the last wild card spot. So uh, while they're not making a lot of uh, headway in the division because the division's so good, they're now ahead of Carolina, but that's it. They are they're making their way 
they're making their way up the standings and they're just doing all they can do. They're winning games. That's what you want to see. Uh, I was really encouraged by some of the things I saw out of Radko Gudis tonight. He seems to be rounding back in the form. They really missed him. They, they really missed Radko. Uh, it is not a uh, it is not a coincidence that the win- that the losing streak got a little out of control uh, when after Radko got suspended. I thought when Radko was playing, they were still mostly in that um, they were still mostly in the uh, okay. We're playing, we're losing, but we're not playing terribly. We could win some of these games, and then near the end of that suspension, uh, the last two games, especially San Jose and Boston, you go, oh, "This is not good. This is this is not good." Um, when did he come back? He came back to Toronto. So those three games, they were without him, and he came back this week. Okay, yeah. But uh, still, uh, I think it's – it's they definitely need Radko in the lineup, and that showed tonight. He's really nice third-pair defenseman, good steadying force. When And when he's good Radko, it's great. Uh, you want him to play physically. You want him to uh, – but still stay smart because – you need him on the ice, and you, you see what kind of effect he can have on Travis Sanheim's game. Again, Travis Sanheim gets that first career goal. Really hope that gets something going for him. Every game he shows some flashes, but he also most games shows the, um, you know, the the rookie the rookie hiccups that that you'll see out of a guy, especially like Sanheim, who wants to be a puck mover, wants to get involved in the offense, and maybe he uh, he he jumps out of position on defense, looking to join the rush a little too fast, and things like that. But uh, overall, I like the way he's coming along. What else happened tonight? We have uh, Sanheim gets his first, and then Voracek had the the nice setup with Philpola and Raffle, um, want to just keep harping on how important breaking up the uh, the top line has been just to get some other guys going. Raffle all of a sudden is involved in the offense. Valtteri Philpola has as many goals as Jack Eichel. I think they both have eight. I, I would have taken that when the season started. If you would have told me, you know, what are we, 11 days until Christmas, uh, that Eichel – and Valtteri Filippo will have the same number of goals. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll take that. Um, fact, Amac is the MVP. He might be. He might be, guys. Um, one thing I wanted to comment on, uh, and it was my number one takeaway from tonight's game, it was uh, – Really had nothing to do assessing the Flyers other than while Brian Elliott is a good goaltender in the in the sense that he makes a ton of saves, he needs to stay his ass in the net. My God, he had turnover after turnover tonight. The first one that um, resulted in Buffalo's goal and then a few more after them that were just dead giveaways, just killers that, that honestly probably should have ended up in the net, but the Flyers were lucky to avoid them. Um, but you see a, a misplay down the other end, and it, it gets the Flyers their first goal, the Sandheim goal. Tonight was a great example of the reason they need to get rid of the stupid-ass uh, trapezoid behind the net. Um, most goalies can't handle the pucks, and the ones that can, more power to them. Uh, we'll get we'll get breakout passes, and breakout passes are fun. You see a long outlet pass from a goalie, maybe it results in an odd man rush, scoring chance. Hey, that's a fun play. But most goalies 
aren't strong enough skaters, aren't strong enough puck handlers, aren't strong enough decision makers with the puck to really have a positive effect to break up four checks, um, to, to, to kill offensive uh, momentum the way Marty Brodeur was able to do. The reason that rule was implemented was Marty Brodeur. He helped kill offense in this league. He is gone. Um, keeping it after it should just be called the Marty rule and Marty's gone and the rule is over with most goalies. When they handle the puck are an adventure and adventures result in goals. You know, they, they commented on it tonight. Oh, some people want to get rid of the, uh, the hand pass rule will result in more, uh, result in more goals and stuff like that. What? Why reinvent the wheel? Just do simple things like, yeah, goalies are allowed out of their net. You know what happens when goalies come out of their net? They make dumb decisions. They'll turn the puck over. They get stuck back there, and all of a sudden they're racing to the net. That's a fun play to watch. Uh, yeah, I thought tonight was a prime example of why you want to get rid of the uh, – why we got to get rid of the uh, the trapezoid and let goalies out into the corners. Most of them are good enough to to make plays, and the plays that they do make are going to result in, uh, in, in bloopers, basically. And who doesn't love a blooper reel? Who doesn't love a blooper reel? I know I do. Um, other than that, a couple of, couple of takeaways, um, man, uh, I really like, uh, it's almost as if having a guy like Provorov has, um, has raised the level of, um, analysis both in game and in studio between periods, pregame when they're, when they're breaking down the little things that Provorov does, I get so excited, um, because it's not the, um, it's not always going to be the the Gostas Bear shake and bake or a, a, a Giroux through the legs pass like uh, like the last game that that changes things and just Provorov the you know the move he, he the defensive play he made on Jack Eichel when he didn't have a stick tonight was was great being able to to push him away get get separation and put the puck through his legs and play it to a teammate so that he could uh, so that they could clear the zone just so many little things when he he cut off a pass. Um, a pass behind the net, just timed it, got it, helped clear. Just so many little things. Uh, it's fun when they highlight the 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 key defensive plays that Provorov makes because it doesn't always stand out. And you you start to watch him paired with McDonald, and you go, you know, maybe they are stuck in the defensive zone a little more than you want out of your number one pair. And then you look at it and go, it's because it furthers my idea that the only way to survive McDonald, because of the way McDonald plays, he's going to get stuck in the defensive zone. Um, he might be decent in his own end. He might be. But um, Provorov makes so much happen in that end that if McDonald has to be in there, uh, the only way really to get through it is uh, is if Provorov's out there. And I think you saw a lot of that on display tonight. I think I saw... At one point, Provorov had eight shot attempts. Like, he, he was having a Gouda-style night. Uh, let's – he had four shots on goal, six hits, a block, and two takeaways, no giveaways. Uh, I don't – damn it. Uh, the box scores – the box score is not cooperating with me right now. It's not going to give me – oh, here's the event summary. Where are we here? Where are you, Provorov? Provorov, twenty. Oh, just a just a cool twenty-seven fifty-five play tonight. No big deal. Uh, twenty-eight minutes on the ice. Average shift length was a minute. Uh, four shots on net. 
three attempts that were blocked and a missed shot. So he had yeah eight eight shot attempts for uh, for good old Ivan tonight, and that is a hell of a night for anybody. I really appreciated Proverov's game tonight, and now I want to get to the time on ice report. Uh, let's just give it a look first at who played how many minutes, and then we'll check out. Because I noticed uh, Nolan Patrick playing late in the game with the one goal lead, and I wanted to see uh, what kind of uh, what kind of breakdown we had tonight. So your top your top two lines again got the majority of the playing time. Oh, actually, you kind of went top heavy with the one line. Other than Voracek, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was only Raffle who really didn't get a ton on the uh, on the second line. So you have Simmons at nineteen eighteen, you have Couturier at nineteen forty six, and you have Giroux at nineteen thirty one. So there's your top line. Uh, you have Philpel at seventeen thirty five, Voracek at eighteen thirty, and Raffle at fourteen twenty nine. Behind them, yeah, basically they the same formula. Uh, let's see, Konechny eleven forty one. Weiss eleven forty two, and where are you? Where are you? Yeah, Patrick twelve oh eight, Lear thirteen twenty one, Lawton twelve. Okay, so pretty much same formula. Uh, they went with um, they went with the formula that's been working with the uh, top six, bottom six kind of rotation. We're going to lean on the veterans and the, uh, the kids. We're going to put them in situations where they can succeed. So let's check it out. Travis Konechny's third period ice time. Uh, he played 209. He played over – he played 449 and 443. So he had his ice time more than cut in half in the third. Uh, didn't play after the 6:10 mark of the uh, of the third period, so he didn't play in the last five or so minutes. Uh, where are you, Nolan Patrick? All right, Nolan Patrick's final shift in the third. And third, he played 3:56, which was pretty much what in line with what he played every period at 12 uh, 12:08 total. Uh, he didn't play after the 4:57 mark, so he got that last shift. Um, with about five minutes in the third, and that was pretty much it. It was a short shift. It was an eight-second shift. Uh, so he kind of just jumped on as someone was coming off. Uh, all right. Taylor Lear in the third, a little bit less. Lawton in the third, a little less. Weiss just doesn't play, which is, you know, excellent for everyone involved. Uh, wheels, ice time stayed pretty steady. All right, so with this, uh, with this more even distribution of the ice time throughout the game, they're able, uh, you know, by breaking up that top line, they're able to shorten their bench a little in the third, still get opportunities to get certain guys out there. You're just not sitting the entire third period and playing two or three lines, uh, which is, which is definitely good, but, uh, uh, it's it's working right now. They've won five. They're able to lean on the veterans. They're putting the rookies and the younger guys in situations where um, 
they're not going to fail. You're not putting them in situations. And Travis Konechny is never going to be good in defensive zone coverage. So when you're up one with five minutes to go, it's probably not the ideal situation to play him. Nolan Patrick is uh, – I thought he played a much better game tonight. I will say I, I really uh, – when they're home and the coach can dictate the matchups, I think you have more of an opportunity to play Patrick. Um and I thought his line uh, played a, a strong game with with Weiss and Wheel. I thought it was one of the uh, one of the stronger games they've played as a trio. Um, beyond that, Brian Elliott really good again. He didn't have a ton of shots on him, but he made some huge saves. A couple shorthanded. Uh, yeah, they only had twenty shots on net, so he made nineteen saves, which isn't you know an incredible number, but uh, you know he got the job done. So let's get to let's get to some of your let's get to some of your questions and comments here. See how long you guys want to hang out tonight. I love that fourth line though. Very underrated. Um, Dave, I want to scroll up. What are we calling the fourth line? Because I have a serious issue with calling the Lawton line the fourth line now when it's clear that they don't want to play the uh, the Patrick Weiss wheel line. The Lawton line is producing more with Konechny and Lear, and they play more. So that's the third line. Uh, but I, I, think the, I think the combinations up front are working right now. Um, I think maybe we expected a little bit too much too soon, and uh, not just us as fans, not just me as a guy who talks to you like I'm just kind of winging it. Uh, I think everyone just expected a little too much out of Travis Konechny, expected a little too much out of Nolan Patrick, expected a little too much out of Jordan Wheel. These are guys who are still coming along a bit. Uh, they don't have a ton of experience, and we the coaches want to um, the coaches want to just kind of dictate the situations in which they play, allow them to play uh, when it makes the most sense, and then pull them back. When uh, you know when the game's when the game is at its toughest point, you want to get your best players out there, and those guys aren't your best players right now. Uh, one day they very well could be. Like I've said a million times, I have very little concern over someone like Nolan Patrick's long term. Uh, someone like Nolan Patrick's long term potential, but right now he's uh, he's a young guy figuring things out, and for what this team wants to be and what they want to be is a team that's rebuilding and also winning games and competing. You can't just have them out there as your second line center, just not going to work. So what they're doing right now is working and I'm pleased with it. And you know what? I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Scott Lawton. Really happy, uh, really happy with what I'm seeing out of him. Uh, if he, for the future is your fourth line center. Maybe he plays a little third line minutes like he's doing right now. Uh, outstanding. Uh, that could be a really good, that could be a really good uh, situation to be in. Okay. Since the Flyers now just two points from a wild card berth, is that a sign they turn the season or is it more about the Rangers playing that poorly? Everyone, that's the thing. Um, we talked about this with the 10-game winning streak last year and the Flyers, of course, now coming off a 10-game losing streak. Now they've won five in a row. Um, individual results are somewhat random, how they relate to, you know, the result before and after it. So if you just say last year, they win 10 in a row, say they go six and four in a stretch and go four and a six and four and six in another stretch. And uh, yeah, it's okay. There's, there's, 
there's 10 wins right there, but they're not in a row, and it's it just looks different, just like the losses. Every team's going to have their uh, hot streaks. Every team's going to have their down times. Uh, what the Flyers are doing right now is banking points like they did tonight. Um, home against Buffalo, four-game winning streak. That is a must-win game. And you, you go, oh, it's a must-win game in December. Like, Okay, no, because a must-win game is a game that you win or go home. Unless your season ends, if you lose it, it's never a must-win game. But if you're a team who's serious about making, uh, making their way up the Eastern Conference standings, this is a game you have to win. It's two points that are there. It's two points that need to be yours, and that's what they did tonight. Um, they're in their upswing right now. The Flyers, other teams, you know, kind of bottoming out. The rumors are coming out tonight that, uh, you know, the Penguins might be interested in making a big trade if they don't turn things around, which is funny when you think about it. Like, dudes, you just won two cups in a row. But, you know, champions don't get complacent, so I can't blame them. You know, you want to you win as many as you can because you know what happens when the run's over. Pittsburgh certainly knows what happens when the run's over. You know, Kansas City will come a-calling. We need that team up in Quebec still. Oh, my God, my coffee got so cold so fast. It is freezing in here. All right. Let's uh, let's see. Was it me or did Lawton have a good game? Seemed to be throwing the body and finishing off checks. That's something. Uh, that's something we wanted to see out of Lawton all along. Certainly, he's got a little bit more offensive upside than he showed uh, in his time here, but now he's in more of a checking bottom six role, and he uses his speed um, to create turnovers. That's what he does now. He uses his speed to create turnovers. I really liked what I've seen out of Lawton pretty much on the whole this season. There was a little period where he kind of disappeared there, and, you know, that happens with guys, and especially not like he's not a premier player. He's not a guy you're depending on. Um, when you get some offensive production out of him, it's it's extra. It's a happy accident. But uh, you're depending on him to bring the energy every night. You're depending on him to give you those. You know, we're only going to play you 12 minutes, so it's going to. We need 12 really solid minutes out of you, and that's what he's been giving them recently. I think Lawton has been really good recently. I like him a lot. Uh, Sanheim is wearing the flare robe. Good for him, man. Yeah, got that first goal. Finally got that first one. I swear to you, and I know, like, I know you're never going to believe this, but ask like Charlie O'Connor. Uh, ask Charlie. I just predict shit sometimes. I just I get the I get gut feelings about some things, and I was just about to tweet. Uh, I think Sanheim gets his first tonight, and then I got up and did something and came back, and then like two minutes later he scored. I was like, son of a bitch, this would have been great for my retweet count, but uh, yeah, I'm not gonna try to claim it. I'm just gonna throw it out there, and you know he got it, and that's great. Hopefully this gets something going for him. Uh, he he's been waiting on that a while. I was expecting a little bit more of the. Um, of the offense out of him, especially after the preseason he had. But as we've seen with, with guys like Travis Konechny and Jordan Wheel, uh, preseason is maybe not the greatest predictor of um, how your season's going to go. It's just a different level. It's a different uh, level of competition, different level of intensity. Guys are just more dialed in. So hopefully this gets him going. Um, he's got a ton of offensive upside. He's got a ton of potential. Um, at both ends of the ice, and I really would like to see him get it going a little and start contributing uh, beyond third pair level. He's been fine on the third pair, but uh, I'd like to see him get it going a little bit more. 
Lawton line is the fourth line. I'll take it. I'll take it. Or the Fahird, maybe. Gudis was quite noticeable, too. Had a shift in the second where he had four or five clearing attempts kept in the zone in one shift. Yeah, I think Morgani pointed it out in between periods. Um, Gudis is the Flyers' only right-handed defenseman. And you see the advantage of having guys playing their natural side. Uh, when you have Sanheim playing his left side and Gudis playing his right, it just creates more time and space. You don't have to play it off your backhand. You can make a play naturally. You can keep your eyes up ice. So you, you're able to have your stick and feel the puck, and you can go, okay, I need to bank it off the boards. Okay, I need to make a pass. Okay, I don't have an outlet. I don't really have anything. I'm just going to put it on net. You don't have to make the switch. You don't have to change your angle or anything. You're there to just make the play that comes naturally to you. Um with guys like Myers and I believe Friedman's right-handed, right? Uh, with guys like that, hopefully they can eventually step in and uh, alleviate some of those issues on the Flyers on the Flyers back end. Um, sometimes I think the righty-lefty thing is a little overrated, um, but you see the advantages. There are absolutely advantages, and the the shift that Gudis had in the in the second period was a was an example of that. Which of the next three coming up will be the toughest for the Flyers? Okay, let's check it out. Tonight was Buffalo. They have Dallas, they have L.A., and they have Detroit. Um, you know, the next game is always the toughest. Uh, Dallas is uh, Dallas is playing pretty well right now. Seven and three in their last ten. They've won their last two in a row. Uh, L.A. is just a really good team. I mean, the – They've lost one, but they're 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10. Those are tough games. Uh, those are really, really tough games. Uh, you, you're going to learn a lot about the Flyers. I mean, the next – and then you have Detroit, who is just, who is just not very good at all. So, um, But, hey, you have Detroit following two really tough teams, two teams that, uh, two teams that play a, a tough style. Uh, Hitchcock back in Dallas, you know what a Hitchcock team does. They're not just a run-and-gun team anymore. Uh, they play, they play a, li- a, bit more of that, uh, a bit more of that gritty St. Louis style that Hitchcock played, and you know what L.A. is. You know L.A. is just one of those big-bodied teams who wants, to, who wants to grind you out. So those are two really tough games, and you follow that up, you know, and the homestand at Detroit or against Detroit before you go on the road for the holidays. So it's they're going to have a tough stretch, and that's why you need to bank these points. That's why when you look at the next couple of games, you go, okay, these are tough ones. They absolutely needed these two points against Buffalo, and they got them tonight. Why is Weiss getting the post-power play shift with Lawton and Lear over Raffle? Who knows, man? I guess they just – I. Yeah. You got to get Weiss on the ice at some – I have no idea. I have one thing in the outline for Monday, for Monday's Broad Street Hockey Radio, and it's how hasn't this team admitted defeat with Dale Weiss yet? You, you see the rumors come out uh, today that they're shopping uh, Yuri Laterra and uh, whatever, great. Um, maybe they can trade him for nothing. That would be wonderful. If they just get Yuri Laterra out of here, great, cool. Um Maybe then that clears a roster spot to bring somebody up and you can put Dale Weiss in the press box. I, I just don't see how this team hasn't been able to admit defeat with you, with Dale Weiss yet. He is – he's their worst player. 
Bill, Dallas, and the Kings coming in. Can the streak go to seven games? You know, why not? They are playing good hockey right now. Um, they didn't score enough tonight. I would like to see them put in a few more goals against Buffalo. Buffalo's a bad team. Um, but they absolutely played well enough to win, especially after the first period. They got out of that first period, and then they really kind of dictated the pace of the game uh, for the next 40 minutes. So, hey, if the Flyers – we've seen it all year. They've got wins over quality teams, Toronto, Chicago, uh, St. Louis. Uh, when they play their game, they're good. Uh, hopefully they can keep the momentum. Bill, keep Elliott or starting, keep Elliott starting or give Lyon a shot. I don't want to see Alex Lyon. Um, maybe if a game gets out of hand one way or the other, you get Lyon in there just to get him some, just to keep him sharp in case there's an injury or something. But um, uh, man, Lyon did not look good in the AHL for most of the year. I don't want to see him in the NHL. My, Brian Elliott looks great right now. You, you worry about wearing him down. You worry about potential injury. He's a little older. I think he's 32, 33. But uh, you, you got to keep riding the hot hand right now. He is your clear-cut number one goalie. And honestly, he's playing like it. So you, you, you just don't go away from him right now. And you got a break coming up after uh, – all right, so Buffalo, Dallas, L.A., Detroit. And then you have back to, the back-to-backs with Buffalo and Columbus are tough. And then you have then you have the the Christmas holiday twenty four twenty five twenty sixth and twenty seventh off so you get a little break there and then you come back of course with more back to backs and the second one's in Tampa so that's a tough one but um, I think you cross that bridge when you get to it maybe maybe you bring up Tukarski uh, and and to get him some time instead of Lyon. I don't know. They're going to be in a tough spot with the goaltending, but Michael Neuvert has started skating. Hopefully he can give you uh, hopefully he can give you something uh, at some point soon uh, and just be, just be the serviceable backup they need him to be. Cause that's all they need him to be is a serviceable backup that he just has to come in, uh, you know, once a week and give them something once every four or five games and give them something. Uh, so hopefully he gets back and is able to do that. I do not want to see, Alex Lyon. Hey, Bill, I know you list off some players in the AHL that you would like to see soon, but who do you think would fit best on that third line in place of Weiss? Not to fill the same zero-dimensional role that Weiss does, but to actually play with Wheel and Patrick. Um, with Wheel and Patrick, I would love to see Danny Martell's speed up there. Uh, he's not scoring at the clip he was prior to his call-up. Uh, he was incredibly hot. He was on an incredible hot streak. He's probably not as good as 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 he was to start this year. Um, but I would like to see his speed there. They think of Vecchioni more as a center, which is fine with me. Um, but I just think, like, he's got skill and he gets to the net and he's good behind the net. That could be something that they could really utilize on that line. And with a, a center like Nolan Patrick who's struggling, maybe you could split up those duties a little. It's always good to have two centers out there. Like, that's something I'm really interested in. God damn it, this couch auction stuff. What is the matter with you people? 
Uh, I'm just scrolling all the way down here. You guys are out of your minds. Danny, oh, so he did get a goal on Wednesday. He scored a goal on Wednesday. He and Greg Carey, I believe, are one and two in AHL goals and scoring. Not sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's almost impossible to find any AHL stats other than, like, goals and assists. But, uh, yeah, no, Martel has been very good this year. I think he would be a nice uh, – I think he would be a nice supplement on that line. Literally anybody would be better than Dale Weiss. And I don't even think – I'm not even talking about Vecchioni and Limblom and Martel. I'm talking about, like, yeah, Greg Carey, Phil Verone, Corbin Knight. Literally anybody uh, would be better than Dale Weiss. He's the worst player on the team. It looks like Limblom won't get called up anytime soon. Do you think Limblom uh, will even get the call this season? Yeah, I'm going to have to back off on my uh, on my right after the Christmas break prediction, I guess, on Lindblom getting called up. But after the trade deadline, absolutely, because there's going to be some guys who are going to be out of here. Um, like I said, Laterra's on the block right now. It seems reports are coming out about that. you got to believe Valtteri Filppula is going to get moved to a uh, – to some contender, even if they have to eat some salary, he'll uh, he'll be gone. So that opens up a center spot for maybe a Vecchione. Uh, if Latera is gone, there's there's potentially uh, there's potentially Limblom's spot right there if they want to bring him up instead of Martel. Uh, I do believe he gets the call at some point this year. Uh, I'd be really really surprised if Limblom doesn't play in the NHL at all in 2017-18. All right, guys, it seems that the, uh, the comments have been hijacked by maniacs, so that's fun. Uh, so if anyone else have any questions, I hate to cut it short. We usually do you know, 45, 48 minutes, but uh, we're only at 33 right now. I don't really have a lot else other than it, was, uh, it wasn't the most fun or pretty game to watch tonight, but it was uh, absolutely a nice win, a win they, they really needed. I, w- I was impressed by their ability to uh, to come back again. Uh, it wasn't. It's not like they were down in the third period or anything. But you know, this this was a mentally weak team, uh, especially during that losing streak. As soon as one thing went wrong, um, as soon as one thing went wrong, it was it would just snowball, and all of a sudden they'd be down two, three goals. Uh, they fall down early. What was the? Uh, how quickly did they answer back? Uh, Ryan O'Reilly gets the first goal a minute 29 in. Travis Sanheim ties it 402 in. So, yeah, less than less than three minutes later, they come back, tie up the game. Uh, I really like I really like this team's. Uh, I really like the way they're able to fight back now. They seem to be uh, coming together, showing some character. So that's we heard all week about the. Uh, we heard all week about this new identity the Flyers have. And really, it's not so much a new identity as it is just a new mindset. Their mindset now isn't to get down. We saw how down everyone was uh, during that losing streak. Guys like Gostas Bear, guys like Simmons, guys like Voracek in the locker room just looking befuddled. They just looked lost. They, they looked in pain. Uh, and now it's okay. You know, we gave up a goal. Let's not just – let's not panic here. Uh, Amanda, is Matt Reed a phantom for the rest of the year? I believe so. Um, 
I don't think it's necessarily fair with guys like Laterra and Weiss in the NHL that Matt Reed is down there, but I do like that he's playing a uh, playing a leadership role down there. He gets to be Dad Reed down there. Uh, he's a guy I do like working with the kids, uh, and it's the last year of his contract, and it's just easier to uh, it's easier to get through one year of Reed in the AHL than Weiss for the next three. I guess that's that's mostly the thinking there. I wonder if Patrick gets some confidence from the saving from saving the game tying goal. That was a huge play. He made some plays in the in his own end tonight, which is good. Um, you know, playing center in the NHL is a lot of work, and it's a lot of work outside the offensive zone. You need to get confidence. You need to think that you can make plays uh, in his own end, and he did that tonight. So I was happy to see. Happy to see Nolan Patrick uh, get some third-period ice time. Like I said, he was out there with five minutes left in a one-goal game. Um, you know, he didn't play for the last five minutes, but we're going to ease him in. This is a learning experience for him, and every little – I hope every time – I hope there's there's one video coach whose job it is to go up to Nolan Patrick and show him everything he does right every game. These are the plays you need to replicate. Like, show him on a goddamn iPad, here are the eight plays you made that we really liked and want to see you make over and over again, Nolan. Just to reinforce to him, like, listen, we know it's tough right now. We know you've always been the best player. We know you've never been in a situation like this before. We need to build you up. Um, it's tough. It's tough being a 19-year-old in the NHL. Um, hopefully he's able to gain confidence out of every small victory. What happens when Manning comes back? Um, hopefully the logical thing of keeping Manning in the press box. That is the most logical uh, – that is the most logical – possibility is Manning is your seventh defenseman. That's what he's here to do, and he remains it. I'm really happy uh, Travis got that goal tonight, kind of opened the floodgates. Hopefully he's able to get something going, maybe pick up a couple points, uh, just make some plays, and further cement himself into the, into, you know, the, the six who play every night. I don't I can't imagine Brandon Manning. Maybe he gets a game or you know a few games here and there, but I can't imagine he's back in the regular rotation, especially uh, that they're winning now. Off topic for your team, but do you think Tavares will stay on the aisles? Um, that's a great question. We talk about this a bit uh, amongst ourselves on Broad Street Hockey Radio. Charlie makes a great point. It's that if Tavares stays with the Isles, it just means no no stud player, no superstar who's going to get a mega contract is ever going to leave his team. They are all just going to stay put and get those uh, get those eight year deals. Um, that team is. Uh, I mean, they're not as bad as. Uh, They're not as bad as they've been, but I just – like, they're just plugging away. They don't have an arena. They're just a weird – I don't know. Um, you know, selfishly, I just want him out of the – I want him on the flyers or out of the division, obviously. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It'll be the next uh, – he's, he's one of the next shoes to drop. We'll see where he ends up. My personal – 
my personal guess would be he leaves, but most guys don't leave. Most guys don't leave their team. Uh, they just sign those eight-year deals and hope they're, uh, they either make a ton of money and don't care or hope their management gets it together. <laughs> Think Patrick can handle penalty kill duties? Not right now, no. Um, maybe later on in the season after he gets some more confidence, gets some more experience, has some success, has some things to build on. But right now, it's it's just a learning experience this year for him. I uh, said it. I'll say it again. I don't doubt his long-term potential. I think he's going to become a very good player at some point. But um, I don't think he's ready for the NHL at this very moment. Uh, I wish he could play in the AHL, if, if, if only for just half of a season. Like, this this is the first time he's been healthy in, in over a – like, it's so – hard to just adjust to the NHL, let alone after a season in which you weren't healthy. He played all of last year with two abdominal tears. Um, it's it's just an adjustment period, and he's not the fastest guy, so he's got to learn how to play at the best, the highest level in the world, um, lacking the speed of, you know, some of the upper-end players he's going up against. It's a really fast league. Um this is a this is a learning experience year for him. Are we going to trade Patrick? No. Okay. Oh, okay. Sarcasm. I didn't read the second line on that. Thoughts on Reed still being in Lehigh Valley? Yeah, I don't think it's fair, but yeah, it's the way she goes. If near trade deadline, do we try to trade AMAC with Simmons package? Um uh, they don't want to trade Andrew McDonald. They don't. They like Andrew McDonald. I know it's hard for all of us, but as of right now, Andrew McDonald's the least of my worries. There's, you know what? If he's just here uh, to fill some veteran role, and the whole locker room likes him, and Provorov likes him, and the they they want to use him in these situations. Listen, I don't want him on the ice in the last minute of games either, when the other team has the net empty and he's failing to clear the puck. Uh, it kills me too. But they think he's good, and I don't think they want to trade him. And I don't think there's – I mean, you could get so much for Simmons. I don't want to use Simmons as a way to get rid of Andrew McDonald. Uh, like, I want to – if we're if I'm going to have to live in a world without Wayne Simmons on the Flyers, um, I want as many assets back as possible. And if you're trading him to – someone else as an incentive to take on Andrew McDonald, you're not getting nearly the return, and I don't want that. Bill, power play and penalty kill performance tonight. Uh, I thought the power play had a couple of uh, – I thought they had a couple of good chances, but they only had two um, – they only had two opportunities. The penalty kill – the penalty kill on this team is not good. What they did that is good is only take two penalties. That is awesome. Or only take one penalty. Excuse me. The Flyers were only in the box one time. It was that Valtteri Filppula hold uh, at the end of the second period, I believe. Um, that was the only pe penalty the Flyers took tonight. And that is – that's the formula. Stay out of the penalty box. The worst thing this team does is kill penalties. It is that has been the one thing that has been consistently bad. Uh, they've had issues with goaltending at in a couple of games this year. Uh, they've had issues with the depth scoring, 
they've had a couple, uh, you know, the, the, the power play can go cold now and then. But the consistent problem with this team is penalty killing. And the only way to, to fix that is to just stay out of the box. You just have to stay out of the box. Sanheim seems to play much better when paired with Radko. Yeah, they're a good pairing. Um, you have the lefty-righty dynamic, which is, which is again, that's ideal. It's, it's your only lefty-righty pairing. Um, and it's a veteran, and it's a physical presence, a guy who you can feel a little more comfortable out there with. Gudis is, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to be good out there. You see it, because guys are getting in his face, and he's just he's putting his, he's literally putting his arms straight down at his sides and staring guys in the face like, you know I want to punch you so bad and I can't. But just having a presence like him out there makes players more comfortable. And he's a veteran who knows how to make solid plays, and they complement each other. You have a guy who wants to get up on the rush, and you have a guy who's, uh, you know, physical and uh, uh, kind of a uh, maybe not a stay-at-home defenseman because he does like to get involved on the offense, but mostly from the point. Um, I, I just think they're they're a good complementary pair. And – yeah, they're working right now. Bill, I'm drunk because we were at the game celebrating my sister's wedding. Happy for the win. Thanks for always doing these. Looking forward to listening to this through the hangover. Raymond, congratulate your sister for me. That's great, man. I like when a family celebrates at sporting events. That's always cool. Which late 90s, early early 2000s team was the most frustrating against the Flyers, Buffalo Sabres or Maple Leafs? Um, the Sabres, because at least the Maple Leafs series were fun. They would win some and lose some, but they were so physical and so uh, just back and forth. You had a lot of firepower on both sides. You had a lot of size, two teams that played a similar style and just beat the shit out of each other. The Buffalo Sabres were just annoying. They were just the most friggin' annoying team in the world. What was the uh, – I'll never remember the year, but they lost – god damn. I'm going to have to go to hockey reference here, and I'm not great at vamping while I'm typing. Let's see. Let's see. Flyers franchise page. They lost in the first round. Uh, let's call it conference quarterfinals 0102. That was Ottawa. Was it before Ottawa? 2000, 2001? That was Buffalo. Yeah, let's check that one out. Yeah, they lost game six, 8 nothing to Buffalo. I will never, ever forget that goddamn game. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, the Buffalo, that was... 2001 to 2000-2001, I hate the Buffalo Sabres so much. I really, really hate them. Um, not quite as much as Ottawa, but up there. I Ottawa worse than the Maple Leafs, too. Ottawa, that those series where they scored like two goals in six games, those were terrible. How does Vorobiev look in the A? He looks like a good, responsible, uh, maybe not – Top six center, but definitely a guy you can plug in there and get 
get uh, get useful minutes from. He's been he's been uh, looking nice. Thoughts on John Buchagross news today? Uh, I did not hear any John Buchagross news today. I'm going to have to Google John Buchagross. John Buchagross, Matthew Barry accused of sexual harassment. Well, I you know I enjoy Bucci's work, but you can't be surprised with anyone anymore. Don't have heroes. Just don't have heroes. I guess that's the that's the. Don't look up to anybody. Don't like anybody. Honestly, never leave your house. Um, get drunk with your friends and family, and uh, that's it. That's that's the only advice I can give you. I guess I. Wow, that sucks. I like Buchagross. Well. Most people are assholes, I guess. That's that's the lesson we've learned. Sam Moran. Okay, Ray. Okay, Ray. I'll read this. Sam Moran and a pick in exchange for Kane or uh, Zemgus Gergensen's. I, I don't want Evander Kane because, uh, like I said, most people are assholes. Evander Kane's an asshole. And I don't trust a guy who's underperformed his entire career. Um had an injury history and now all of a sudden he's in a contract year and he's uh you know he's in a graphic with Voracek and McDavid uh and guy as highest and Johnny Goudreau as you know highest percentage of his uh team's scoring um I think it's a little bit of Kyle Calder syndrome when you're on a a Kyle Calder syndrome for those of you who don't know um most teams don't get shut out every night. You know, most games aren't shutouts, which means somebody has to score. And when you're on a team as bad as as Buffalo is, or as bad as the Chicago team was the year, uh, the year Kyle Calder had his breakout year and made everyone think he was a player, um, <laughs> your numbers are inflated a little because someone has to score and you're the best player of a, of a bad bunch. Um, I don't like he, I just don't like Evander Kane. He's no team he's ever been on has liked him. Uh, he's, he's winded his way out of, uh, of situations. I just don't think he's a particularly great teammate. Um, I would give up less if it was, uh, I would give up less if it was say the Flyers are making a playoff push. And they really just need a scoring winger. I wouldn't want to give up Moran in a pick, but if it was something less than that, uh, and you're just adding him as a as a rental to to make a playoff push, then uh, I, I'd be willing to consider it. Uh, Gergensen's, I, I you know, I think the Flyers have enough. Um, I, I I wouldn't see the advantage to to giving something up for him. Uh, Bill, tonight's Flyers shot count. How many by D-men versus forwards? Let's give it a look. Let's give it a look. Uh, let's see if I can do some quick math here. Shots on goal. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen shots by forwards. And four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen by defensemen. So almost an even split between your twelve forwards and six defensemen. Um, I think that contributes a bit to. Uh, I think that contributes a bit to only scoring two goals despite out out shooting a team. Uh, what was it? Twenty-seven, twenty. They, uh, yeah. Uh, this is always an issue. The Flyers like to shoot from too far away. That's that's a that's an area of concern. They just like to shoot from too far away. 
Can we work on a trade for Tavares with Simmons? Um, listen, I would love Johnny Tavares. I would love Tavares in the Flyers. I just don't know how that salary situation would work out. Like, that's a guy who's going to get 10 mil. That's the thing, is he's going to get 10 million. You're going to pay Tavares more than Giroux and Voracek? Are you willing to give up Voracek uh, or something like that? It's It makes you better, but how much? Uh, when you when you're looking at what okay so you're you're gonna lose Simmons uh, you're probably gonna have to move Voracek uh, to make the cap space at some point you're gonna have to give Provorov a deal at some point you're gonna have to you know all these guys are gonna need contracts yes Tavares is a proven commodity he's a superstar I would love to have him I just don't know how the finances would work um, but hey if they went and got him I'd be on board I just don't know how realistic it is uh, mostly. I'm trying to live in this uh, this reality world now. I keep I keep telling Steph and Charlie and Kelly uh, I'm done living in the fantasy land where Sam Moran's going to come up and Andrew McDonald's going to get sent down and you know Limblom's going to come up and Dale Weiss is going to get waived. I gotta just I gotta live in the now. I gotta live with you know the Flyers are making it clear what they're doing, so I have to go with I can only. I can only allow myself to think about the realistic now because clearly the stuff that I really want isn't going to happen. All right, guys, I think that is all. Uh, do we have any more? Uh, sometimes it takes a second for the, uh, for the questions to load. I think that is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio, uh, Facebook Live post game. It is always a good time hanging out with you guys. Uh, the next game is Saturday against Dallas. I will in all likelihood not be doing the post game uh, for that one. Uh, Steph or Kelly will probably be jumping on for the Dallas game. That's at 7 o'clock on Saturday. Um, Monday, Wednesday, L.A. and Detroit. I would very much bank on me uh, doing those games. So thank you. Uh, thank you for hanging out. Uh Thank you for hanging out, doing these with me. And, hey, if you're willing to part with some of your hard-earned money, check out the BSH Radio Patreon. Uh, I'm actually going to bring it up so I'm able to – oh, come on. Just log me in and don't make me actually oh, – god damn it, I don't know the login. All right, well – We'll uh, we'll start plugging it again on the show this week, but uh, check out the BSH Radio Patreon. We do a lot. We make a lot of content uh, for our lowest tier, five bucks a month. You get me and Steph's show yelling about sports. You get a, and that's every week. You get a weekly all NHL show where. Uh, some of us are all four of us, depending on who's available. It's usually all four of us uh, talk about all the other teams in the league. It's we call it the Ice Sports Show. It's uh, it's everyone but the Flyers, but we usually relate everything back to the Flyers anyway. But it's a time we get to talk to everyone else. Uh, you get you get updates uh, when news happens. You get all sorts of content. So if you're willing to part with just a little bit of cash every month, I'd highly recommend that. Again, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out with me tonight, and have a great week everybody and happy holidays hello i'm spencer hall from sb nation and i want to tell you about my new show it seemed smart it seems smart is a show about people doing things that for some reason or another seemed smart at the time those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain or i don't know maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. 
Check it out. And if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.